0: You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message.
1: This evening, our reading comes, of course, here from the book of Leviticus and The book of Leviticus is one of those books of the law. It's really, as believers, many times we can become guilty of ignoring passages of Scripture simply because we regard them as not pertaining to us. We use the statement, we hear the phrase quoted often, well, I'm not under law, I'm under grace. So I really don't need to read, you know, books like Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy Uh, the recounting of the law and all of the rituals and all of the uh, regulations that the Jews had to live by. But the tragedy is when, when we do such a thing, when we ignore those passages of Scripture, we rob ourselves of the help and joy such passages will bring to us. Here's a good rule of thumb for us to remember. Not all of the Bible was written to me But all of the Bible was written for me. In other words, not every passage was written specifically to me. When God gave to Abraham the Abrahamic covenant, that has nothing to do with me. I'm not a descendant of Abraham. I'm not a child of Abraham. That's not written to me. But it is written for me because it tells me what God's plan is. It helps me understand that I should look with favor upon God's chosen people, the Jews. Because when I look with favor upon them and I pray for them and I I try to be a friend to them, then as a result I benefit by getting God's promise of blessing upon my life. And so though it was not written to me, it most certainly is written for me. And that's true of the entire scope of Scripture. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. And in these pages of the Old Testament law, we will often find in types and shadows a New Testament truth which will later be made known. Many times in the Jewish rituals and regulations, there was hidden the promise of a coming Savior who would provide deliverance from the shackles of sin. And in our text this evening, we have one of these Old Testament rituals which foreshadows a glorious New Testament truth. This chapter sets before us this evening the activities of the people of Israel on the Day of Atonement. That was a special, a sacred day, a unique day on the calendar of Israel. It came every year according to verse number 34 of this chapter. It was observed only once a year. But on that day, it was was a day of great importance and significance in their lives. Now, if we were to try to sum up the entire scope of this day and what happened I think we could summarize it with just three words. Just three words this evening sum up all that took place on the Day of Atonement. These are the three words I want you to keep in your mind tonight as we study our passage of Scripture. First of all, the word condemnation. Condemnation. The second word is emancipation. I don't know about you, but I like word two more than word one condemnation, emancipation, and the third word is anticipation. And so tonight, let's look and see what we can find in this passage of Scripture that will make application to ourselves. As we want to consider this passage and consider what happened on the Day of Atonement, I think the best way to do it is by looking at different parties that were involved those who had a responsibility, those who had a place, those who had a task to do in this great event that took place. The first ones that jump out to my mind as I read this passage of Scripture that I want you to take note of tonight are number one, the failed ones. On this day of atonement, uh, we have to consider the failed ones. These are those people who had failed to perfectly keep the law in the previous year. Some of them were greater transgressors than others. Some of them perhaps had only failed in a minor way, but the truth of it is they had all failed. None of them had absolutely could stand before Aaron the high priest and say, I I can honestly say for the last 360 days that I have been without sin, I have done no wrong, I have failed not in word, not in deed, not in thought, not one way have I ever transgressed the law of God. Not one person could do that. Notice the Bible makes it very clear who they were. First of all, it was the people in verse number 16, then shall, or verse number 15, then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. Notice verse number 16, he shall make an atonement for the holy place, why? Because of the uncleanness of the children of Israel and because of their transgressions in all their sins. Every person in that camp had sinned in some way in the previous year. Not only were, were the people among the failed ones, but even the priest himself, even Aaron the priest had not perfectly kept the law. The Bible tells us in verse number six, and Aaron shall offer his bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. Why did Aaron have to offer a sin offering? Because Aaron had sinned. Now, I'm glad to report to you tonight that our high priest has not sinned. In him is no sin, he knew no sin, he never sinned and he never shall sin but he was willing to be made sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. And so Aaron is, even though in the sense he is a type of Christ as a high priest, he is a flawed type because Aaron himself had sinned. Paul writing later on in the New Testament will say in Romans chapter three and verses nine and 10, what then, are we better than they? No, in no wise For we have before proved, both Jews and Gentiles, that they are all under sin. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And so as they stood there that day, those failed ones, the number, encompassed every living person in the camp of Israel. Now you say, what had they done? Well, I'm glad you asked. Because the Bible tells us, in fact, if you go to verse number 21, we read it in our scripture reading tonight, you will discover that God uses three different words to lay out the charges against them. Notice in verse number 21, he said, Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions. In all their sins. If you mark in your Bible, circle those words iniquities, transgressions, and sins. Those are the three words that God uses to describe what they had done. The word iniquity speaks of perversities or moral evils or mischief. In other words, God is addressing their wickedness. Uh, among that camp, there were those that the only way to describe their behavior the previous year was they had just been wicked. And boy, we can identify with that, can we not? For the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Beating within the bosom of every person in this room tonight is a wicked heart. You wanna know why we do wicked things? Because we have a wicked heart. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaketh. Out of the heart proceed evil deeds. It's the heart of the uh, the heart of man is the heart of the issue that's why god has to create in us a new heart a clean heart because this old heart is a wicked heart they were a wicked people god uses the word iniquities god uses the word transgressions that word transgressions has to do with revolt or rebellion In other words, God is addressing their willfulness. Not only had they been active in wickedness, but they had been a very willful people. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone, what? To his own way. Isn't it amazing how we all want our own way? We want it when we want it, how we want it, why we want it, where we want it. Well, I just can't come to Sunday school. You know, 10 o'clock is too early. I Man, I preached in a church a few weeks ago in Sunday school. Was it nine? I said, thank God for 10 o'clock Sunday school. Man, praise the Lord. You can just sleep in and then come in. You know, we, we, we find something that dissatisfies us about everything if we're not careful. We, we get discontented. Why? Because we want our own way. And the people of Israel were no different. They had been very willful. They had been very wicked. And then he uses the word sins. Sins has to do with violations of social or moral code or something that displeases And that really dealt with their waywardness. In other words, they had gone out of the way and they had displeased God. They had violated God's moral code or his code that he had given to them. Paul said in Romans 3.12, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Can I tell you, these were a bad lot of people. But you know what? They were people just like you and me. And oh, if we're honest tonight, we're a bad lot of people. But then notice not only who they were, what they had done, but notice the wages of their deeds. Look in verse number 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. Look in verse number 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering, that is for the people. You do understand that the wages of sin is death. Because of their sin... On Aaron's part, a bullock had to die, and on the part of the people, a goat had to die. The Bible tells us in Ezekiel 18 and verse number 20, the soul that sinneth, it shall die. And that brings us to the first word as we look at this day of atonement. It's the word condemnation. And can I say tonight that every one of us finds ourselves at the word condemnation. The people of Israel had been tested They had been tried, and they had been found guilty. But listen to what Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, said in Ecclesiastes 7.20, For there is not a just man upon earth that doeth good and sinneth not. Can I say tonight, under the sound of my voice at the North Valley Baptist Church, in this room there is not a just man that doeth good and sinneth not. Can I say on the internet waves, those who are listening around the world, there is not a just man that doeth good and sinneth not. We have all been tried at the scales of God's judgment. We have been declared guilty and we stand condemned before God Almighty. And if that were the end, it would be a sad state indeed. But I'm glad that that's not the end. You see, while there were the failed ones, the ones that deserved condemnation, I'm glad the second party I want to consider tonight are what I call the furnished ones. You see, while the failed ones had earned death, the furnished ones were substitutes who were provided to pay their penalty. Oh, I'm so glad tonight that when I stood condemned, there was someone provided to pay my penalty. Oh, I was condemned and justly so, but I'm glad that when I faced death, someone else stepped in and took my place. I want you to notice with me in in verse uh, number five, what the Bible says. He said, and he shall take of the congregation of the children of Israel two kids of the goats for a sin offering and one ram for a burnt offering. Now for the sake of time, I'm only gonna deal with these two goats because they set the picture for us so perfectly. These two goats that were taken for the congregation of the children of Israel uh, were very important, they were very significant. According to verse number eight, there were lots cast upon them. There were two goats, there were two roles to play and the lots were cast to determine by lot what role which goat would play. First of all, there was a goat for sin's remission. Notice what he says in verse 15. Then shall he kill the goat of the sin offering that is for the people. When the lots were cast, there was one lot for the Lord, there was another lot for the scapegoat. The lot for the Lord became that, that, that lot, that goat became the sin offering To shed his blood to make an atonement for the sins, the transgressions, the iniquities of the people of Israel. You see, that was offered as a sin offering. Now note this, there is always a blood payment that is demanded when sin appears. The only thing that will suffice is blood, Hebrews 9.22, and without shedding of blood, what? There is no remission. That's why your good works can't save you. That's why your church membership can't save you. That's why nothing that you or I can do could atone for our sin. It would require a blood sacrifice and I'm glad that Jesus became the blood sacrifice on our behalf. He took our place. He died for us. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, For he, that is God, hath made him, that is Jesus, to be sin for us, Uh, that is you and I, him who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. That is exactly the message of Calvary is that Jesus Christ uh, was the goat. He was the substitute. He was the sacrifice for the sins of the world. He paid our debt. So there was a goat for sin's remission, but more than just a goat for sin's remission, there was another goat. Notice what he said in verse number eight, and the other lot for the scapegoat. Now, how many of you have heard that term scapegoat? I mean, we use it all the time in our English language, and we use it to speak about somebody who takes the rap for somebody else. Somebody else did the wrong But the onus of the burden, the payment was put upon him. He became the scapegoat. He took the place of that. That is exactly what happened in the economy of Israel. They took that first goat, that goat of the sin offering, that goat for sin's remission. Aaron would slit its throat. He would catch the blood. He would apply it as is instructed in this chapter, sprinkled upon the mercy seat. And he made an atonement for the iniquities, for the transgressions, for the sins of the people of Israel. But you know, they were still left with the burden of what they had done. So here's what he would do. Look in verse number 22, or or verse number 21. The Bible says, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat. That's the scapegoat. And confess over him all the iniquities of the children of Israel and all their transgressions and all their sins, putting them upon the head of the goat, and shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness, and the goat shall bear upon him all their iniquities unto a land not inhabited. Now here's what they did. It was really nothing more than a picture of what Jesus Christ, the Son of God, would do at the cross of Calvary. The the sin offering, the goat for the sin offering, the goat for sin's remission is a picture of Christ laying his life down, atoning for our sins, shedding his own blood to pay our sin debt. But there is a goat not only for sin's remission, there's a goat for sin's removal. They took the burden of their sin, they took, they confessed. Can you imagine what that must have sounded like? Can you imagine Aaron standing with his, head up, his hands upon this goat and confessing all of the iniquities, all of the transgressions, all of the sins of the people of Israel? I'm not sure how that took place. I'm very curious. I don't know if Aaron just spoke in generalities and as the people were gathered around when their sin was named, they acknowledged it. I'm confessing over the head of this gold, the sins of the people of Israel. There's some in our camp who have been liars. Oh, that's me. There's some who have been uh, uh, unfaithful in their business dealings. Oh, that's me. There have been some who have been gossips in our camp, spreading rumors and innuendos about us. Oh, that's me. Can you imagine how it must feel? Does it bother you to mention your sin out loud? Can you imagine all of the sin that you've committed since this day last year being confessed out loud? Oh, what a horrible thing. And Aaron would confess in type what he is doing is he is transferring the burden of guilt from the people To this one little goat. And as he transferred the burden of guilt. To that one little goat. That one little goat would carry their sins away. Never to be recalled against them again. You see that's what forgiveness really is. Forgiveness is a promise. Never to bring it up again. It is not that God forgets about our sins because forgetfulness is a failure of human frailty. Have you ever noticed if you try to forget something, the more you try to forget it, the more you remember it? Because you have to remember to forget it. Forgetfulness is a failure of human frailty. And can I say God is not frail. And he never forgets. But here's what he said, their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. Remembrance is a deliberate act whereby you call something up from the past and demand accounting in the present. God says once you've confessed it, once it's been taken care of, I'm never going to bring it up again. By the way, if it's being brought up in your mind, you know who's bringing it up. It's not the Lord. He promised he'd remember it no more. It's the devil. And by the way, when the devil reminds you of your past, remind him of his future. Can I say your past might be bad, but your future's a lot better than his is? Because you're going opposite directions. You're going up and he's going down. Can I say tonight that God forgives us And we are freed from the guilt and the burden of our sin. Thus the word emancipation set free. Oh, they were under condemnation. They deserved death. They deserved judgment. They knew every one of them were guilty. But oh, hallelujah, God made a way. No matter how great, no matter how small, there was only one way. Can I say tonight, God has made a way for every man, woman, boy, and girl upon planet earth, a way whereby you can be free from the burden of sin. There is power in the blood of Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's son, cleanseth us from all sin. And if we'll just come to him, we can enjoy emancipation, being set free from the guilt and the burden. Well, we have the failed ones. They give us the word condemnation. We have the furnished ones. They give us the word emancipation. But I'm interested in one more party tonight, very briefly. The only place this party is mentioned in the entire canon of scripture is found in our reading tonight. It's down in verse number 21. The Bible says this, and Aaron shall lay both his hands upon the head of the live goat and confess over him. All the iniquities of the children of Israel, all their transgressions and all their sins, putting upon the head of the goat, he shall send him away by the hand of a fit man into the wilderness. Here's the third party I want us to consider very quickly, and that is the fit one. There were failed ones. There were furnished ones. But there was also a fit one. I want you to think very quickly about the person. A fit man. That's all we're told about him. We're not given elaborate descriptions about his attire, about his appearance. He must have been a righteous man because he had to understand the importance of this task that was going to be committed into his hand. He must have been a reliable man, someone who could be depended upon to complete the job and do it right and do it well. He must have been a ready man, one who was ready to solder the load, one who was ready to carry the responsibility to go alone out into the wilderness to take care of this matter. But I want you to think of the process tonight. If you read Jewish scholars, they have their tradition of how this took place. They will tell us that On the Day of Atonement, after Aaron had made the atonement with the blood and came and confessed over the head of the scapegoat the sins of the people and all their iniquities, all their transgressions, and all their sins, he would put this scapegoat into the hands of a fit man. The fit man would set off toward the wilderness, toward a land that was uninhabited, But he did not travel alone with him, traveled an entourage of followers. And as they made their way out of the camp of Israel, perhaps up a small incline, a hill, and as they topped over the hill and they began to disappear out of sight, on the top of that first hill, one man would remain behind. He would stay with his back turned to the people of Israel looking away in the distance, watching as the entourage of the fit man and the goat continued on. They would make their way down into the next valley and up upon the next hill or mountain top. When they got ready to disappear out of sight, uh, out of his sight across that hill, there was another man who was stationed on the top of that hill. And so it went mountaintop after mountaintop, hilltop after hilltop, till they reached that land that was uninhabited, the wilderness. That last man who was on that last hilltop or mountaintop stood watching as the figure of the fit man and the goat were disappearing into the wilderness and the figures would get smaller and smaller and smaller until off in the distance, finally they disappeared. He would turn and with a joyous sign, he would sign back to the person on the next hill, the goat is gone. And news would be carried from mountaintop to mountaintop that the goat is gone. And all of a sudden in the camp of Israel, those who had been sitting and waiting in anxiety and wonder, they see that last man turn around and look at them and wave the sign that the goat is gone. And boy, the music began to start and rejoicing began to be made because their sins were gone. They had been taken away. They had been taken care of for another year. They didn't have to worry about that. Can I say, over 50 years ago, I knelt beside an old ratty sofa in an old farmhouse and I confessed my sin. And when I got up, the goat was gone. I'm glad that my sins were gone, never to be remembered against me again, carried out into a land uninhabited where no one can find them, no one can dig them up, and they are gone forever. Praise God, the goat is gone. But that wasn't the end of the story. That fit man would take that goat out into the wilderness with him, he carried a bucket of blood. There was a purpose for that. As they got out into the wilderness and got out of sight of everyone, he would try to get that goat distracted by something. Maybe some small shrub that the goat would begin to nibble on. And we got that goat distracted. He would take his leash off and he would begin to retrace his steps. But as he began to retrace his, strips, his steps, he would sprinkle upon his pathway handfuls of that blood. Because that goat then could not find his way home because the blood covered the way. Oh, can I say tonight the reason that the goat of sin cannot trace its way back to us and find us again is because the blood has been applied and the blood has covered the trail, and it can never come up against us again thanks to the blood of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary. That man would begin to make his way back. On that featherless mountaintop, there is a man who is standing. He has turned, and he has signed that the goat is gone, but now he's turned his back again the other way. He's looking. He's watching. He's waiting. All of a sudden, out in the distance, he sees a a little something move. He's not sure what it is. He begins to stare with great intensity. He continues to watch. It gets a little bigger and he thinks, maybe that's it. Maybe that's what I'm looking for. And he stares very intently. And finally it gets large enough to where he can see in the distance that it's the fit man. He's done his job. He's got rid of the goat. He's taken their sins away and now he's on his way back. And he would turn and sign back the news, the fit man is on his way. And news would be carried from mountaintop to mountaintop to the camp of Israel, that the fit man is on his way. Now, by the time the news got to the camp of Israel, they did not know how close he was. They were not sure how many mountaintops yet were left to follow. But they just knew this. He was on his way. The work had been done and the fit man was returning to the camp. Can I say tonight, I don't know how close he is, but I got up this morning, opened up this book and I saw from the mountaintop that the fit man is on his way. He may be just one mountaintop away. He may be two or three mountaintops away. I don't know how close he is, but I know that he's coming and I want to live my life so when the fit man comes again, I'm ready to meet him and hear him say, Well done. I wonder tonight, that's the word anticipation. They were anticipating something that was going to come to pass at any moment. They didn't know when, they just knew that it was near. Can I say tonight, I'm anticipating something that's gonna come to pass. I don't know exactly when, I just know that it's gonna be soon. Jesus is coming again. Let me ask you, where are you at tonight? Are you in the word condemnation? Do you not know that your sins have been forgiven? Has there never been a day or an hour when you came to an altar? You bowed your head and you confessed that you were a sinner. And you cried out to God, trusting him and him alone, his work on Calvary, as the payment for your sin. Can I say, if that's you tonight, you are under condemnation. But the good news is, this can be a day of emancipation. You can be set free from the burden of sin tonight. The Lord Jesus Christ waits with open arms. He's ready to receive whosoever will. You say, but you don't know what I've done. No, but I know what Jesus did and he paid it all. You say, you don't know how bad I am. No, but I know how good he is. And Christ receiveth sinful men, even me with all my sin, purged from every spot and stain, heaven with him, I'll enter in. That could be you tonight. But then the third word is anticipation. Can I say, I've got news, the fit man is on his way. Are you ready if he were to come tonight? Is there something in your heart, in your life? Is there some sin of commission, something you have been engaged in that you should not? Can I say come tonight, confess it, forsake it, and walk on with God? Is there some sin of omission? Is there something you should have been doing and you have failed to do? Come tonight, confess it and then go out and undertake it. Get busy and walk on with God and live in anticipation of the fit man.
0: Thank you for listening to the Audio Preaching Podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us,